It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and today we're on the campus of Lock Haven University. University in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, and we are broadcasting live in front of a studio audience. Excellent, and we are here to uh, honor the students of Lock Haven University for their community service with a project they have known as the Talent Show, and uh, it benefits the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the Talent Show. We've got a little preview coming up for you, too, with one of the uh, students that's going to perform at the Talent Show, and we bring on uh, the broadcast now, Jack, who's part of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Tell us about the Talent Show. Uh, It's going to be a good one. Uh, You're going to see a lot of of good talents with all the teams, and you're going to expect a big show. Who decides who gets on the show? Are you on the the board that, like, says you're in, you're out? Actually, uh, each team uh, comes up with a talent, and uh, you got the whole team, you got a few representatives, uh, you show off your talent. What team are you on? I'm on the uh, track team here at Lockheed. And what is the track team going to do for their talent? Uh... We're going to decide just before we go on stage, but I think we're going with a push-up contest. And this talent show is tomorrow night. Yeah. You don't know what your talent is. Uh, You're not going to win. <laughs> we're pretty confident. Pretty confident with your push-up contest? Yes. Well, this is not television. It's radio. Let me just describe to our listeners that you're about 104 pounds. I don't think you're going to win the push-up contest. <laughs> I think you're wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, let's bring our next guest on. This is Cheese. Hi, how are you? Oh, this could be a disaster. Yeah. I think, yeah, exactly. uh, I don't know what I'm stepping into here. Cheese, uh, what is your team? Uh, baseball. Baseball, and what is your talent tomorrow? Oh, I'm not in it. <laughs> Bri- You're not, then why did they volunteer exactly you? Exactly my point. Brian's in it. He's going to be playing the piano and singing as well. And uh, so what is, besides the piano, what is the talent of the baseball team? I can't say. Dress, uh, I, I can't say it. I'm not really sure. Let's just pretend that we're in the shower, not together, but we're in the shower and there's nobody in the room and you have to sing. What would you sing? Go. Um, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's your favorite song? Somehow I don't think Make-A-Wish Foundation is going to get any money tomorrow. If, the, if we have a push-up contest and cheese, who won't sing? What do you want me to sing? Um... What's the... Drake? We have a Drake, re- Drake request. Um, what song? Um, well, this one is for our pitcher, Nick Cummings, up there. His uh, walkout song. It's started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> started from the bottom, now a whole team's here. That's about all I got. <laughs> Let's have a round of applause for Cheese. All right. Okay. Well, I'm sure the, the real talent will emerge tomorrow night on stage for the Lock Haven University uh, talent show to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, Jack, before we let you go, uh, can we learn more about this online? Is there a Facebook page devoted to this or anything? Uh, is there a page? Uh, I don't know. Uh, is there anybody? Um, yeah. yeah, there is. Sure. Okay. So we will just encourage you to Google Lock Haven University talent show. 
Um, call Zach, or, Z, or Cheese, I'm sorry. Call Cheese if you want a really bad singer for your wedding. And uh, we, either way, we honor uh, everybody here at Lock Haven University for your community service and the hard work you do for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Let's give yourselves a round of applause. And now, a truly inspirational story on The Adam Ritz Show. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky at the uh, national competition. This is a, a really impressive event. We're joined by uh, Jill Farmer, who's the executive director of the USQRA. I mentioned this is a national competition. Jill, why don't you tell us uh, more about what this competition is? Um, well, it's, a, uh, it's the national championship tournament for the top 16 teams in the United States who play wheelchair rugby. Wheel, uh, I hate to interrupt oh, you, but okay. wheelchair rugby. I'm talking about inspiration. We were walking around the convention center here in Louisville and there are guys with the eye of the tiger. Those They're guys and girls. Oh, and girls. And I'm girls. sorry. And they teams. they are ready to compete, and they are uh, they're in their wheelchairs, and they go. This is ru ru wheelchair rugby. Wheelchair rugby. These individuals, uh, how they uh, qualify to play is that they have some type of impairment or disability affecting all four extremities, both their arms and their legs. So you're going to see individuals who have very high level spinal cord injuries, individuals who have paraplegia, um, and they may have an amputation. Some of them may be quadruple amputees. Some of them may have cerebral palsy. Uh, so, again, they have to have some effect in all four extremities, and they're out here uh, playing a sport that is just incredibly uh, inspirational, as you said, but the athleticism of these guys to begin with is just just incredible and, and phenomenal to begin. We're going to take some pictures of one of the competitions and put it on the uh, website, adamritzshow.com, for our listeners to check out. Now, it's the USQRA, the United States Quad Rugby Association, and how long have you been associated with this group? Well, I've been in the Louisville area for about 11 years. And I was approached about 10 years ago to, uh, to, to ask if we would be interested in hosting a national tournament. Um, we kind of helped the organization out. Uh, they only had their, their host city at that time had pulled out in 2004. And they came to us and they said, you know, we've already set the dates. People have already uh, asked off for work. But you only have five weeks to plan this. So I got together with the Louisville Metro Parks and Recreation. Uh, I work for Fraser Rehab Institute here in the Louisville area. And we came together as a city to host this event for them um, that year. We were at two different locations. We were running all over the place. But, um, you know, 10 years later, we're still here. And we've hosted this tournament a total of eight times. We did 2004, 2005. We took a year off. We did seven, eight, and nine. Took two years off and did uh, 12, 13, and 14. And uh, we are considering hosting it again in 2015 as well. Okay, so you've got the Louisville uh, connection. Is the uh, USQRA headquartered in Louisville, or no. is this another governing body somewhere else? No, they are actually, it's a body of the membership, so they're located all over the United States, okay. and so your board members actually are located in different cities and often are players on the teams themselves. Um, I'm not the executive director of the organization. I'm just someone here in the Louisville area that works for a rehab hospital, and this is my passion, is and to give sports like this back to people and to make this make opportunities happen. Well, it's inspiring not only these uh, young athletes in their chairs, but, but your work, too. This is a volunteer basis yes. from your point of view. So that inspires me and all of our listeners. Get involved with something. Make a difference. Uh, now, the teams that are here competing, who's uh, from the farthest away? Uh, probably our, uh, we have a San Diego team here. Uh, we usually have Portland here, but they didn't make it in, at, past the sectional playoffs this year. We have a Las Vegas team here. We have uh, Tucson and Phoenix. And, you know, so those are pretty far west teams. Our closest team probably to the Louisville area is the Indianapolis team. Uh -huh. And they came in today. And I believe they took seventh place. Wow. So, yeah. 
Jill Farmer is our guest. She's uh, one of the uh, main directors, volunteers with the uh, here at the Louisville Convention Center with the Louisville um, the healthcare uh, scene, I guess, if you will. Here in Louisville, you get involved, you volunteer. It's the um, wheelchair rugby national champions put on by the USQRA. Is there a uh, I guess a, a, a .org. It's simply I'm going to guess rugby. U.S. Oh, it's yeah. quadrugby.org. Quad yes, quadrugby.org. Okay, Definitely. let me say that again clearly for everybody. Quadrugby.org. Check this out. It's pretty amazing. If you know anybody uh, that's maybe gone through a recent uh, traumatic event and they're left in a wheelchair, bring this up. I mean, this is unbelievable. The inspiration and the competitiveness and the athleticism that's involved with this. It's incredible. It's so incredible. And, you know, we have a lot of wounded military that are coming back into the States now. And this is a way for them to find to an outlet for those uh, frustrations and those worries that they have. And it's also a way to build a camaraderie with a group of people who get it, who, who, yeah. who have been where you are now with a new injury and can actually help guide you through possibly how to take your life back, you know, as, uh, as a person. I was going to ask, I've seen some t-shirts, you know, wounded warriors and everything around here. Uh, is there a, an official relationship between the quad rugby and the wounded warriors organization? A lot of these guys will go into the facilities where these individuals are rehabbing or in being hospitalized. They'll introduce themselves. They'll, they'll bring their own personal equipment out. They'll get the people in them and they'll make sure that they get a chance to try this. And then they'll pursue those people because a lot of times it's easy to say, oh yeah, I'll come out. Uh, but you know, there's a heart in these athletes. There's a huge heart and you feel that because they want to go out and always make sure that everybody has an opportunity, especially our wounded military, but anyone who has a disability. And on the .org quadrugby.org. I'm going to assume that not only can you get information, but you can make a donation as well. Yes, quadrugby.org. If you want to get involved and help fund this uh, and create awareness, please give from your heart. Definitely, definitely. Um, and there's and more all... events. There's a National Basketball Asso uh, uh, the Tournament. National Wheelchair that's Basketball up. Association that's going to be coming up in two weeks. It's going to be held at the uh, fairgrounds over on the west south side of the city. And there'll be about 85 teams from all over the United States here playing basketball. And so it's a, quite a bit different than rugby. Uh, the individuals who have disabilities there typically have a lower level of a spinal cord injury and right. amputations as well. But um, it's just as competitive and just as uh, hit or miss or bang them up like you're hearing in the background. Well, Jill Farmer, we can't thank you enough for your time and your hard work and efforts to make this uh, thing happen uh, nationally uh, here in Louisville with the uh, Quad Rugby National Champions. Again, more um, information at quadrugby.com. It's the United States Quad Rugby Association. That's correct. Jill, we thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing the coverage. The Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. I'm Adam Ritz, and we are in Columbus, Ohio, on the campus of the... Ohio State University with uh, Lawrence Romanoff. We'll call him Larry because we're friends now. Hi, Larry. How are you? How are I'm, you? I'm wonderful. Larry, now your title with the football squad, the Buckeyes, is Director of Football External Relations. What is that? Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to explain, but basically I deal with anything from the outside. You get former players coming back into town that need some help want to go to practice, want to do anything, a former player that wants to come back and go to school, a uh, former player's family member is coming into town, they want to go to practice. We've got donors coming into town, and they want to go to practice, or they want to see the facility, or they want to see hmm, the stadium. Okay. We've got a player on the current team that is out looking for a summer job. We got a player that's out looking for a permanent job and doesn't have a good resume and needs help doing a resume or a cover letter and needs contacts. That's what I do. 
And this is amazing to me, and you were telling me this before uh, off mic, about how long you've been here. Almost 40 years? Uh, actually, this would be my 44th football season 44th here. 44th football season. So I've got to sort of believe you, you started as an undergrad here at Ohio State. That's correct. Okay. Uh, in 69, I started as a manager at the football team. No kidding. With and Woody Hayes. With Woody Hayes, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Tell us your favorite Woody Hayes story. There's too many. Too Woody many Hayes to mention. Stories. Okay, uh, tell me, tell us your top 500 Woody Hayes stories. <laughs> uh, that's uh, it, it. Really, I mean, there's too many different uh, situations that I was in as a manager and later on as what they used to call the brain coach uh, that I was hired back in 1975 and I started running study table for Coach Hayes and then 76 got hired as a full time academic person. Okay. And I mean, those are back in the days when you're working 100 hours a week. You got in at 6 in the morning, got home at 10 o'clock at night. And every time somebody flunked a test, you got fired. Okay. Because you didn't work hard enough to help that student athlete do the best okay. that they could do. That's very interesting uh, to hear that you've worked with the, the academics, uh, that angle of the football team here, here at Ohio State. Because the, on this Social Awareness Radio Show, we talk a lot about uh, education and the importance of education. How much has it changed from those days, the Woody Hayes days, to uh, today in the world of academics with the student-athlete? Well, actually, it hasn't changed as much at The Ohio State University as it has at other schools because Coach Hayes, all the way back to the 50s, spent so much time pushing the academics. So we've been doing that here for a long time. In fact, the the people that preceded me, uh, Jim Jones, who later became our AD, was one of the first academic advisors in football in the entire country. And uh, so we've been doing things for our student-athletes academically with study table, with tutoring, and things for a long, long time here. But uh, the, the one thing that is different is there's more emphasis on it around the country, and there's more emphasis around here. Back when I started, it was one person and some part-time helpers, and then it was one person, a full-time assistant, and then I was able to get a second assistant. Now there's 20 people doing that job. Yeah. So um, that's changed. Do you remember uh, when the first computer lab showed up on campus? What year was no. that? And were you, was it just as big as the entire facility? Well, the, yes, it was as big as the facility. I mean, it was as big as the whole wall, and you had no punch kidding. cards and everything. Oh, the punch and, cards, yeah. So, yeah, it was quite a bit different in those days. And we didn't have personal computers. We wrote everything down. I mean, you had to get transcripts on everybody and i had a book where i transcribed all that stuff into a special sheet with all the guys grades now everything you touch the screen it's all right there it's that a lot is, it's easier that way that is so cool 40 years here at ohio state larry romanoff is our guest director of external relations with the football team the buckeyes you mentioned earlier that you work with uh nfl guys that want to come back and get their degree, finish their degree. We work a lot with uh, that division of the NFL, the player engagement uh, division of the NFL. They have a huge um, educational program with their players, and they encourage for those guys to come back to their home campuses to get that degree. Uh, what do you do with some of these NFL guys that want to come back and get their degree? Do you meet with them personally, like their own, uh, I guess, campus advisor? Well, uh, I used to be that guy that met with them personally and did all that stuff. Now I'm the person that guides them to a gentleman by the name of John Macko here okay. that is in charge of that program. And uh, we have been at the top of the country, basically, in the number of people that we've brought back to finish their degree. I mean, within the last couple of years, we've had guys from the late 70s come back and finish their degrees, early 80s finish their degrees, 
because we never stop. Yeah. We keep calling them, hey, what are you doing? You never finished. You want to come back? I mean, we've got guys with ESPN and places like that that hadn't finished their degree yet, and we're, and we're bugging them, saying, come on back. That's on the back. amazing part. You're, you're calling them. You want them to come back. They're not, they didn't call you. You're calling them. Hey, why don't you come back, finish your degree? Absolutely. That is great. What, how many phone calls does it take? <laughs> uh, it, it depends on the person and where they are and their availability to get back on campus and do stuff. You know, the one good thing now is there are courses that you can take from long distance and take a computerized course, whatever. Or if not, I mean, I had a guy by the name of Todd Bell that played for the Bears. And while he was playing for the Bears, I had him taking courses at DePaul University and transferring the courses back here. So, I mean, it can be done. We had a guy by the name of Clark Kellogg. Sure. Who played with the Pacers yeah. and still works with the Pacers? While, CBS. Yeah. While Clark. Clark was actually playing, he's the only basketball player I ever had. That actually, while he was playing, he would send me the catalog from uh, IUPUI, and I would go through it and say, "Hey, take this class. It'll work. It'll count as one of your requirements as an econ major." And he would take that course. It would transfer back here, and he did that the entire time that he was playing. That is pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, he left a year early because he left after his junior year. And by the time he came back, he didn't need very much back at Ohio State to finish his degree. Is there any way you can help me get a Ph.D.? I'd love to be Dr. Ritz. Well, you know, we can get you an emeritus or or what are those honorary degrees? Yeah, I don't want to work for it. I just want to be called Dr. Ritz. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to have that, too. Our guest is Larry Romanoff. External relations director of with the Ohio State University football team. And again, you've been here 40 plus years. Let's talk a little bit of history. Uh, What was campus like back then? What year were you a freshman here? Um, uh, I started out with a very interesting year. It was back in 1969-70. Okay. And in 1970s when we had riots on campus and they actually closed this campus for 10 days during the spring quarter. And uh, that was actually the same time that Kent State occurred. And a uh, few people, unfortunately, were killed at Kent State. But uh, we had 5,000 National Guardmen on this campus. And the first day when that first occurred, when all of the stuff hit the fan, mm-hmm. they broke every window from 9th Avenue on High Street all the way up to Lane Avenue. So basically, you know, 10, 11 block area, they broke every window up and down that street. I mean, it was crazy around. And when there. you say they, it was just a student mob or this was a protest, Vietnam protest? It was protesting a lot of things, you know, Vietnam uh, and a lot of other issues that uh, happened on campus, uh, treatment of blacks, you know, all the different things that were going on at that time Mm -hmm. and um it was crazy i mean tear gas everywhere and men you know all the the campus police the city police the the uh county uh police everybody were out here the national guardsmen they had all the way down woodruff avenue i mean a hundred armored personnel carriers and everything it was it was a little crazy back then. that is deep i thought you were going to say we had a different press box in the stadium i didn't know you were going to start with uh, historical landmark riots on campus. No, that was that um, was quite amazing. And then when you came back, you couldn't go to into a building here unless you had your ID around a shoelace or something around your neck. I mean, it was a little crazy. And Woody Hayes was out on the middle of the oval talking to students, telling them to be good and calm down and support the president of the university and everything. It was an interesting time. Wow, that is unbelievable. So how big was the university then? Right now, 60,000 students, is that correct? 50 or 60 now, correct? It's in the mid-50s, but if you count everything, it was just as big then. No kidding. Yes, absolutely. That's a shock. I'm surprised. 
No, it hasn't grown. Yeah. I mean, uh, in fact, uh, there might be a few fewer freshmen coming in nowadays. No kidding. It's, it's become much more selective to get into the university and a much higher grade point average for students coming in, much higher ACT score. So, Would you get in now? Uh, might not have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for your time and uh, the tour and the facility here in Columbus. This is a wonderful place. Uh, I want to wish you and the football team the best of luck. It's Larry Romanoff with the Ohio State University Football Buckeyes. Thank you, Larry. And Adam, I just want to thank you for the amazing presentation you did to our team today. It was absolutely wonderful. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social technically. I want to pick up a previous conversation we had with Mom Noni, a motivational speaker and healthy dating expert. Mom Noni uh, is going to share a great website with us uh, about four temperaments. The website is one, capital O, small N-E, capital I, and then S-H-Y dot com. Let me go over this. One I shy dot com. And you can take this free test and it will show you using the temperaments. And the temperaments go back to Hippocrates 400 years before Christ. Um, and the reason I love the four temperaments is because they're simple. I know there's the DISC program out there, Myers-Briggs and all that. That's all fine, well, and good. But this one, there are four, only four. They're very basic. I have three siblings. I am a sanguine. My brother John is choleric. My sister is a melancholic. And my brother Jim is phlegmatic. This is so wonderful, and it teaches you how to get along with people, not only in a dating relationship, a, a, a lifelong relationship, but also businesses and churches and synagogues. This is wonderful, and it teaches you how to be interdependent with people. But if you take your strengths and they're overused, they become a weakness. I am a pure 100% sanguine. I'm the socializer. I need fun and applause. Like, I bet Adam Ritz does, too. Okay. During the post-production of this interview, I will put some applause in right there. Okay. <laughs> the, the strengths are um, you, you're a risk taker. You're inspiring. You're outgoing. But if, and, and you talk a lot. Now, if you overuse this, it becomes a weakness because some people may think you talk too much, too fast, and you're just sort of a lunatic, and so that can go uh, against you. So a direction for a sanguine is to work on organizational skills. I have a lovely office in Florida. It's a lovely office, but sometimes I can be so, I have so many projects going on, I get disorganized, and my lovely office just turns into this thing that looks like a hurricane hit it, mm -hmm. <laughs> with no hurricane. <laughs> And now, but that sanguine is high energy. Another high energy one is choleric, the director, and they need results. Get these chairs in order now. Do it now. And they yell and they scream and they, yeah, you, they're very offensive. But see, they're organized and, and they don't have much patience. Their weaknesses is they're too bossy or they're perceived as too bossy. And as a result, they don't have very many friends. Mm -hmm. So I encourage cholerics to be more sensitive to other people's needs. 
Um, the third one is melancholic, the thinker. They need order and perfection. Um, they have all of their clothes in their drawer methodically folded and everything is in alphabetical order. They need perfection. Everything has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, their weaknesses if, can be perceived that they're, um, they can drive you crazy. Yeah. I mean, going to Disney World and having a ticket where to park. And at Disney World, they use acronyms, E for energy, 14. I parked an E, energy, 11 through 14 years ago. Well, the melancholic in the back wanted us to write it on the ticket. See, it has to be on the ticket. I said, between the four of us, can't we remember yeah. I didn't have very much fun with her that day. And they're just an, a nuisance. But they're organized, and I'm not organized. So see, a sanguine is usually attracted to a, a melancholic. The last one is phlegmatic. The phlegmatic, he relates he, that they have harmony and teamwork. But they can be a little bit boring. My brother Jim, he owns this business, and he get he has a routine every day. He gets up and does the same thing over and over again. And he's wonderful. Um, but his weakness is, is he can be a little boring to people. He can be perceived as boring. But these four um, temperaments, if you understand them and you can let people be who they are and be their cheerleader, you will have a healthy relationship. Got it. You said something earlier that kind of hits hit a chord with me. Controlling yourself—that's uh, that's great advice, and it's really it, it, you know until you hear somebody say that, uh, you can only control yourself. So I guess the next step of that advice would be if you find yourself in a relationship where you find that you're trying to get your partner to do, act, or say certain things that they're not then maybe that's not the relationship you should be in because you can only control yourself. You can't control the other person. That's right, but you can communicate, and it's how you communicate. And if you start out by saying, I, I feel uncomfortable or I feel unhappy, as opposed to you make me angry, you make me feel uncomfortable. So you put the other person on the defensive. But when you try to control and change other people, you have something called codependency. Codependency is a disease that they finally figured out in the early 80s. And Melody Beatty, B-E-A-T-T-I-E, finally wrote a book called Codependent No More. And that opened the doors to understand this uh, terrible, intangible disease in relationships. Codependency is a disease. It's when people are not acting the way you want them to or people are not saying what you want them to. You know, let them be who they are. And then if you're uncomfortable, then say, I feel uncomfortable. But um, it, it's codependency is very, very bad. How about, uh, we do a lot of work with a term called bystander behavior, um, intervening. And a lot of these relationships are what I call toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. I, I've got toxic friends. And if you have a toxic friend, the best thing you can do for yourself is stay away from the toxic friend because you're the one that will get in trouble. A toxic relationship between a man and a woman. If you see that, if you see one of your buddies or one of your girlfriends in a toxic relationship, should you intervene as a bystander? How should you behave? Should you say something to your friend? 
Sometimes there can be a consequence that the friend will turn on you if you tell them. Hopefully the friend will ask, you know, I'm in this relationship, Mom Noni, what do you think? What do you see? Because perception is reality in the mind of the person who perceives it. But I must admit it that admit that I stepped into a relationship once that I felt strongly about, I was very opposed to, and I sort of hit my my hot button, and I just told this person, I love you dearly, and I see this relationship is very, very toxic. And I just poured my heart out. Fortunately for me, this person listened to me, and not shortly after that, eventually the relationship was um, ended, and to this very day he is thankful. Well, you better listen when a when a darn relationship expert tells you that. I mean, if you <laughs> if you were, you know, half brain dead and didn't graduate kindergarten, yeah, I wouldn't listen to you, but you're a darn tootin' relationship expert. So if you ever give me that advice, I'm running the other way. Okay, but you know, if you're in, to to your listeners right now, if you are in a relationship, ask your friends what they think. Ask them instead of getting into a marriage and then you're miserable and years later they tell you, well, I never did like her or him in the first place. Well, thanks for telling me. You're my dear friend. But the consequence of them turning on you can be really heartbreaking also. Great stuff from Mom Noni. She is Noni Owens. More information at momnoni.com. It's just been a pleasure to have you on the show, and we uh, will invite you back in the future if you'll come on. Thanks, Noni. Thank you, Adam. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.